Hello, studio teacher friends. Look, I know we all have a lot of feelings about conference attendance. Some of us love it, some of us hate it, and some of you have never attended a conference and don't really even get what the whole thing is about. Regardless, I am going to share some thoughts today that I happen to think pertain to your everyday teacher life as well. So don't skip this one just because you're not a big conference attender. I think you're going to find some value here regardless. This is episode 118 of the Beyond Measure podcast with me, Christina Whitlock, your anytime piano teacher friend. Welcome. In case you don't know, in just a few days after this episode launches, I will be at the MTNA National Conference in Reno, and I am so excited to share actual physical space with my people this year. Before I go any further, I just want to acknowledge the fact that I know a lot of you are not able to attend this year. National conferences are very expensive to begin with, and the cost of flights to Reno this year have definitely been extra salty. So I am going to do my best not to fuel your FOMO by talking too much about Reno. Today, I'm just talking about conferences and continuing education in a more general way. And for the record, I am going to be missing the Atlanta MTNA conference next year, so please don't think that I am always looped into the fun either. Super fast, for those of you who are attending MTNA in Reno this week, I wanted to let you know there are three chances to see me in the presentation setting this week. So on Pedagogy Saturday, you will catch me very briefly in the 8 a.m. session, which is a materials roundup. And then later that afternoon at 3.30, I will be presenting on the RMM track for um, a musician's wellness session. And then finally, during the main conference program, you will find me on Tuesday afternoon at 2.15 presenting a session titled Busy Teens, Should They Stay or Should They Go? So let's talk music teacher conferences in general. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by people's reactions to attending professional conferences regardless of their profession. It seems to be something that, again, you either love or you just totally dread. And I do get it, because in most professions, conference content is nothing to get excited about. I think of my husband, who spent nearly 20 years working with adults with disabilities and who now works in addictions recovery. I mean, nothing about that content is fun, friends. <laughs> it's all serious, heavy stuff. Dealing with changes in legislation and treatment plans and decisions that are often a matter of life and death. Like, none of that is anything to get excited about. <laughs> but this is where music teacher conferences vary. Our content is very fun. <laughs> I mean, 
not all of it is fun, but I never want to lose sight of the gift that my life's work revolves around an activity that is designed to make people enjoy their life a little bit more. (laughs) Plus, as you already know, I just love music teachers. (laughs) There is something inherently awesome about each of us. (laughs) There just is. You guys really are my people, and sharing space with you gives me such a boost. I know there are lots of you out there who don't really go to conferences often, if at all. You either find them to be outside your budget, or scheduled at inconvenient times, or maybe you had one bad experience and just left feeling judged or out of place, And I just have to say, like, if that's the case, oh, friend, (laughs) let me tell you, you just haven't found your people yet. Attending a state or a national conference can be this beautifully eye-opening reminder that there are other people out there who do what you do. This is huge for studio music teachers because we are just so isolated in our everyday work. The way my view of our profession has benefited from the connections that I have made at conferences like MTNA is actually exactly why I started this podcast in the first place. I wanted to try to bottle a tiny bit of that magic and share it with the people who could benefit from it. So I say all of this as a strong suggestion to find a conference in your state or a meeting of other music teachers in some way, shape, or form. Organize it yourself if you have to. I know that you can do your work without plugging into a larger network of teachers. But if you can find your people, the quality of your work and the enjoyment that you find in it will be so much richer. So I did want to share just a couple of conference tips with you. In the show notes for this blog, I am going to link a great post by Amy Chaplin over on pianopantry.com about preparing for conferences. If you know Amy's work, you know that she is great at giving practical tips for all things music teacher life, so be sure to check out that in my episode notes. Before attending a conference, I have a suggestion for you. I want you to make a note in your phone or on an actual physical sheet of paper with the individual names of each of your students. Because when I sit through conference sessions, I often hear a tip or a perspective that would benefit one specific student or two. Of course, it's easy to think that you're going to remember that later, but I find just jotting a few quick notes beside that student's name specifically helps me follow through on that idea later. I do the same thing with repertoire. If you have been to a national conference, you know how valuable these early morning publisher showcases can be. 
different publishers showcase new publications, and it is a great way to get familiar with new supplemental repertoire, which is like one of my favorite things if you don't already know that. <laughs> so I will jot down collections that I would like to consider later for specific students. And that ends up being a great way to avoid impulse buys in the exhibit hall. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but again, it just helps me keep track of all of the new pieces that I'm learning about and that I'm hearing. Plus, after the conference, as I'm preparing to teach my students that following week, I have this instantly clear guide to anything that I wanted to try with them. Like, I know that I want Johnny to try that new rhythm drill that I learned about. Or, I know that I wanted to give Lulu that new book that I picked up. In general, friends, when you attend a conference, there's just a lot to take in. <laughs> Writing things down as much as I can helps me feel less chaotic because I'm not trying to hold on to too many loose pieces of information. And again, I think this is something that can benefit us all year long. At conferences, I like to take notes in an actual notebook. <laughs> I'm a dinosaur, I know. So I keep a student list in that notebook. But I also keep a student list in my phone throughout the year so I can add to it anytime I need to. That way, when I'm at the grocery store and I think of a piece that my student Megan needs to play, I have a place to take note of that idea. Moving on, let's talk about the exhibit hall for a moment, shall we? One of the best parts of the National Conference is the exhibit hall, where all the major publishers and big brands in our industry display their materials and information. As a lover of all things piano repertoire, I can hang in those publisher booths for quite some time. And, of course, I can also spend some serious money if I am not careful. <laughs> now, sometimes you get some really great conference discounts, and it can be a smart time to shop. But the way I help myself out is before the conference begins... I keep a list of specific things that I am looking for. As a general rule, I don't plan to purchase materials that I already use at the conference. I really count this as my chance to look at things that I don't already know. So I keep this list in advance of things that I want to look for. For example, this year, I have this adult student who loves arrangements of familiar tunes. So, the thing is, I've had this particular student for almost 13 years now. So, you can imagine that we have worked through a lot of arrangements. So, I am always hunting for a few new books that will suit our studies well. The National Conference Exhibit Hall is the best place to familiarize myself with what is out there. The same goes for games or manipulatives or whatever. If I am in search of something to, say, reinforce a particular skill, it goes on that list. I make myself a promise that I am not going to buy anything that is not on the list unless I consider it very carefully. 
which usually means walking away and only coming back for it later if I still find myself really wanting it. (laughs) I also keep a running list of publications that I know about, but I want to look at before I buy them. This is one of the best ways I have found to avoid complete overwhelm by the size of that exhibit hall, and also to avoid impulse purchases. Speaking of overwhelm, (laughs) this is the number one challenge of attending a conference, right? You will likely come away with so many ideas and things that you want to experiment with. You need to remember three things. Are you ready? Number one, have a good system for taking notes. Number two, make a plan for a time to process your conference takeaways in the days following the conference. And number three, try one new thing at a time. Let's go ahead and unpack those three ideas just a little bit, shall we? (laughs) First of all, when it comes to note-taking systems, you need to know how you like to take notes. As I mentioned earlier, I prefer handwritten notes in a notebook. I really do. It makes me feel like a student, I guess. But I do have a new iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil, so I think I'm going to try taking my handwritten notes that way and see how it goes. If you see me at the conference back to a notebook mid-conference, you'll know that my experiment was not successful. (laughs) For more thoughts on note-taking systems, I will once again defer to Amy Chaplin, who featured some nice ideas on the Piano Pantry podcast just a couple weeks ago. So check the show notes for that link. As for my second point, it is very important to set aside planned time after the conference to sit down alone and process your takeaways. There is a lot of self-discovery that happens at a conference if you pay attention to it. What ideas resonated with you? Where do you feel yourself growing as an educator or as a musician? Did something make you feel insecure during the conference? Spend some time leaning into that and ask yourself why. What did you vehemently disagree with? You probably heard something that you didn't like. I think that's very valuable information. Like if you sat through a session and you disagreed with everything the presenter said, that is not a waste of your time. That is an opportunity to hone your perspective. Our society does a terrible job at valuing different viewpoints on the whole, but it is a key component to solidifying your own ideas. So, yes, schedule a few hours in the first couple of days you are home to really sit down and work through the notes you took, the materials that you gathered. Look, this can be really hard to do because we come home and we're instantly playing catch up from all the time we were gone. I know. However, I will argue that if you want this conference time to have been worth it, you have to spend some time processing and coming up with small steps to implement your new ideas. You cannot magically come home and put all of this new knowledge to work, friends. It does not happen that way. 
which, of course, leads me right into the third point. Only try to implement one new thing at a time. If you are trying a new studio organization tool, that's plenty for right now. If you learned a new improvisation activity, then that's your plan for the next week back. Make yourself a little schedule for the rest of the school year, outlining new activities you want to try. But do not try all of your ideas that first week back. (laughs) If you get excited about a new method series, try switching one or maybe two students over to that series. Don't jump ship with everyone all at the same time. It's just too much. Listen, so many of us have come back from conferences all hyped up with a thousand new ideas only to implement nothing because we failed to make a reasonable plan with what to do with this information. Trust me, learn from my mistakes here, friends. (laughs) Set aside specific time to make your plan and then keep your plans small. You don't have to change everything all at once. You're already doing a really great job. I just want to close today with a few thoughts about how we learn at conferences in general. I think there's a misnomer sometimes that we're supposed to attend these sessions and bring home all these new ideas, and that's the sole purpose of a teacher conference. Well, I think that is often true, especially for your first couple of conferences. I mean, there's just a lot of new information out there. But once you've been attending for a little while, you begin to realize that in the end, there really is nothing new under the sun. And most of the information you've heard or have already figured out in at least one roundabout way or another. This does not mean that your time spent at the conference was for nothing. The very nature of attending a conference means that you are giving yourself the luxury of spending multiple days fully immersed in your role as a music teacher. You don't have family responsibilities. You aren't keeping house. You aren't, you know, shuffling people back and forth to appointments. You are surrounded by inspiration and you talk music teacher life nonstop for days on end. So much of the value comes from this uninterrupted time just to sit with your thoughts and ponder what kind of teacher you want to be, what kind of students you want to be raising up. Real life just doesn't give us that luxury. And that's fine, really, because I don't want to live my life solely as a piano teacher and nothing else. But a few days out of the year, heck yeah, I will revel in that as part of my identity. So if you find yourself sitting in a session at a conference and you feel like you're not learning anything new, don't panic. Don't automatically jump to the next session. It can be very affirming to hear other people say things that you think and to hear them suggest things that you already do. 
I love listening to someone talk about something that works for them and being able to think to myself, yeah, that works for me too. It makes me feel like, hey, maybe I do have some of this piano teacher thing figured out. I just say this to help you take in the sum of the whole conference experience whenever you find yourself at one of these events. The things you learn and take away from any event, regardless of the size or the scope, they're all different than what meets the eye. Even if I wander that exhibit hall and don't find a single new thing that I want to purchase... (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But even if that happened, I would walk away knowing that, hey, I have a good handle on the repertoire and I already have everything I need. I think that is a wonderful thing to rest secure in. So anyway, that is a small peek into a few of my thoughts on conference prep and reflection. So just to recap, before you go to a conference, Prepare your list of things that you are looking for and that you are interested in. Make a list of your student names and keep it with you throughout the event. Set aside time when you return to really, truly reflect on the experience as a whole. And I'll just let you know that I am going to link a conference reflection document in the show notes for this episode. So if you are interested in having something to help you walk through, I've got your back. Just check those show notes and find my conference reflection form there. One final point of encouragement today, friends. If you are not attending MTNA in Reno this year, I want to remind you that there are lots of affordable options out there for professional development, including my Studio Foundations course. (laughs) I released the Studio Foundations course at the beginning of 2023, and I have been so pleased by the responses. The Studio Foundations course walks through 14 guiding principles that I live my studio teacher life by. There are 17 video lessons and an individual workbook to complete, which is really the magic of the whole process. This course is self-paced and access never expires. So if you are interested in taking some time over the next few weeks to work through a course, I am offering an MTNA conference special that includes $15 off and admission to a free two-hour Zoom call in May. Several teachers purchased a VIP ticket back in January that scored them a series of Zoom calls with me, and I think we all agree that enhanced our course experience exponentially. So I wanted to offer a similar experience to anyone who wants to give themselves a little mini conference experience with The free Zoom call is on May 19th, and that will be open to anyone who purchases the course before April 1st, 2023. I know that I'm more than a little biased here, but I do think the Studio Foundations course offers a perfect balance of what I was saying a few minutes ago, that it provides you new insights but also gives you the opportunity to simply consider what it is you know and believe about our profession and to elevate you in all of those ideals. 
I think it's great for teachers who are new to the profession, as well as those who have been around a while. And I think it gives you some great permissions just to trust your instincts and set your boundaries in a way that are going to keep you happy in this profession for a lifetime. With all of that said, hey, I think it's time for a toast. Let's raise those glasses. Music teacher friends from all over the world, today I want to remind you that you are one very important contributor to this large profession of ours. Bringing music into the lives of our students, whatever their ages or lots in life, It truly is the gift that keeps on giving. We all know that we are teaching them much more than how to play their instruments. And today, I raise my glass to you, the teacher of so many wonderful things. Hear, hear. That's almost all I have for episode 118, friends. But I wanted to tell you this, that if you are going to be at MTNA in Reno, I want to make sure that you come say hello. I may have a special surprise for anyone who comes to me and tells me the secret code. Do you want to know what the secret code is? (laughs) I'll tell you. It's APTF. APTF. Anytime, piano teacher friend. That's me, APTF. And if you come to me at MTNA and tell me the secret code, APTF, I will give you a little gift. <laughs> Emphasis on little, but I'm so excited to meet more of you and to get to hang out and talk shop. So be sure that you come introduce yourself and don't forget that code, APTF. <laughs> I do hope the rest of you will consider checking into the Studio Foundations course. By the time you factor in the workbook for that course, it is probably a total investment of around five hours or so. I think it's about three hours of total video time. So anyway, I hope you'll check it out because I have been affirmed that there really is something for everyone in there. Don't forget that I'm linking those resources from Amy Chaplin at Piano Pantry in my show notes, as well as that conference reflection document. Until next week, friends, onward and upward, take great care of yourselves.